Good evening, my friends. Well, in truth, as I sit down and write these words, it is morning. For, make no mistake, that is the only way in which I can really and truly speak to you, is by planning out every single syllable beforehand. Not long before I deliver them to you, of course. I usually plan my words and deliver them to you all in the same day. So you can believe in my sincerity, I hope. So I'll say good morning to you now, with my fingers on the keys. And I'll say good afternoon to you with my voice later, when I am able to. And by the time my words reach your ears, it may very well be evening. And so, good evening, my friends. I was frightened recently. Very recently. Last night until now, in fact. Of course, it's partly that the world is more frightening. As it grows more cold and the leaves begin to fall, the trees are a little less fat and their skeletons are beginning to show. We'll speak more of them later. The wind is howling more loudly and painfully. The nights are growing longer. While I love them dearly, it is always a bit of a shock to see the day leave so quickly. But we do the best we can with what we have, don't we? But I would have no difficulty navigating all of that. An eerie atmosphere, after all, is where my heart is most at home. I have no difficulty with atmosphere. But someone else was walking my woods last night. Something made of shadow only. And when shadow walks the woods at night, you can't see it or hear it until its eyes are right on you. And then, then you feel only cold in the empty places in your body. And then you can only hear the sound of your heartbeat in your ears. And then you can only see its eyes, bright and white, set in that body of only overwhelming darkness, but bright and white eyes like the moon. The shadow walked through the woods, and I thought, I swear I could hear it whistling, a high-pitched, screeching whistle perhaps as plaintive as it was piercing. It whistled something familiar. And as this thing walked my woods, I couldn't help but wonder where my stranger of fire was. I hadn't seen him in over a week. When the shadow passed me by, I was so chilled and frightened that I sat down exactly where I was and reached up into my hair to dig around and find my deck of cards. I unwrapped them from their cloth. I shuffled them nervously, my hands shaking and struggling to do it, but I did shuffle. And I drew a card. The sun. A pleasantly unexpected result, especially for such a dark, cold night as this. 
The sun represents joy, radiance, success, harmony, vitality. I never saw the sun before. Not really. Even if I saw the sun up in the sky, in my previous life when you knew me, I think I shunned the sun. I shunned visions of joy and abundance in favor of moodier climates of the mind. Stormier ones. But I think I understand the value of the sun better now. For we need the sun in order for things to grow. And I am full of growing things. At least until winter. So I'm glad that we're seeing the sun now, while we still can. This card can mean a number of things, of course, as they all can. But this seems to indicate that you radiate warmth and positivity, and others cannot help but be drawn in by it. Others find charm in it and want to be near it. And there is power in this. Power to change things for the better. Power to take control over one's life. Yet it is a carefree, fun, and free kind of power. I don't know if I've ever known such a power. Not in myself. But I suppose that is the sun, isn't it? And I'm just getting to know the sun, I think. As frightened as I was by the shadow passing through my woods, the appearance of this card in particular did comfort me a little. Stay strong, it seemed to say. You are on the right path. Stay strong and do not stray. And as I paused to hear that little message from myself, coming from deep within in a small place in my heart, that is afraid to become too joyous too quickly for fear of disappointment. I heard a soft sound from a distant place behind me. It was a little sob of terror from a burnt and burning creature. He was not far from me. Extinguished, hiding, and actually, imagine it, actually staying close to me for warmth, for his flame was gone. He didn't want the shadow to find him. We must warm him up once more, I think. For tonight, I must be the sun. This week, I will be the sun. I can do that. I have a story. Now before I tell it, let me tell you something else. I have been thinking of mythology, of my own mythology, of what I believe and what I want to believe, and what I've decided is that it is far more important that I believe what I want to believe, not what I have been told that I should believe. As such, why should I not create my own mythology? Have I not already done so? Is that not what I'm doing right now? Myths and legends about creatures lost in a timeless wood, never able to touch, 
one of earth, one of fire, and now one of shadow. How can I elevate my thinking from the mundane to the mythic if I do not believe myself to be legendary? I do not say this to inflate my own ego. I say this because I think we must all begin to think of ourselves as legends, as the legends we want to hear. And I've been thinking about the moon as well as the sun. For I feel I know the moon very well. She has been with me this whole journey. But what of the sun? Who is the sun? What is he like? Well, I've decided to create a story about him and her. A myth, a legend, a story. It may not be correct according to your science. It may not be holy according to your religion. But it is the version of the origin of the sun and the moon that I wish to be true. And so I have written it. And so I will tell it. Very, very long ago, ages before the first story was ever told, and eons before the first nightmare sprung to the first person's mind, the earth existed. And the earth was very, very dark. For in my story, you see, there was no sun. The earth existed, but it did not have a sun. The world was in eternal night, and it is in that night that I want you to join me tonight. For I mean to tell you a story about how I like to imagine the sun came to be, and how cold it must be to be the moon. But I need you to understand this, this before time because you came here for chills and thrills and monsters, but perhaps you also came here for heartache. And I will give you both, but you need to come with me, because here is where you would be afraid if you were to walk the world in this time, this before-time time. Because though the world is so, so cold without the sun, there is no snow in the before time. There is grass so green you could cry, but it is nighttime and you cannot see the green, and so you do not stop to admire it. You are following a young man in this story. Imagine him now, strong and full of energy. Don't worry that he's wearing a white shirt and black pants and leather boots and carries a lyre with him that you will not hear in this story. For we are before time, so time does not exist here. And here, this young man who looked as though he had hopped right out of a swashbuckling adventure, walked. He was not afraid of the dark and it was so very, very dark. Not so distant from where he walked, he heard growling, snarling, 
snapping mouths of hungry beasts with red eyes. Yet he was not afraid. Very close to where he walked, he could feel the touch of an invisible hand on his shoulder, a whisper right in his ear. For this world had a great number of ghosts from a great number of different times. Yet he was not afraid. And the trees above and around him were so bare and so awful, with limbs that seemed to reach at him with swaying, creaking finger twigs, and they beckoned him to lose himself in their terrible grasp. But he was not afraid. He was not afraid, for he was in love. He walked through the forest, not because he had somewhere to go, but because he was following a beautiful woman as she traveled across the sky. Her nature mysterious and sad, and her raiment white and sparkling. She was all alone. He couldn't really see her, not much more of her other than that she was sad and shining. But he knew she was there, illuminating that world in which she lived so far away. He fell in love with the moon, and it pained him to be so far from her. Normally she couldn't hear him. He was too far away most of the time. But sometimes... Sometimes he was able to brave the cold and the monsters and the ghosts and the trees and climb to the top of some high place, some very high place, where he could send his voice even closer to her. It's so cold and lonely All alone up in the sky It's so cold, if only as often as he could, he would deliver his message. He would play his song for her, and she loved it in a way that she hadn't yet had a chance to love anything before it. But he didn't know. How could he? He couldn't hear her. He couldn't even see her, not really. He only saw her radiant light ghostly and distant. And he heard all of the ghosts of the earth weeping, too, as they began to sorrow for the moon. For ghosts love the moon, you see. And when they learned that he loved the moon, too, they wept for him, for they knew that terrible longing. And the terrible beasts with red eyes grew silent, too, for they found his song so lovely and so calming that they all fell asleep, never having understood the night to be peaceful before. And the trees groaned and sighed in their own way, for most of them had never decided to look up and see the beauty of the moon, and now they bent their stiff necks upwards to see her, and they too began to fall in love, 
They waved their arms at her in the wind, in a futile effort to draw her attention downwards. And finally, the whole world found itself led in a choir that adored the moon's shining beauty. All together they sang. Sorrowing for the loneliness of the moon, the earth conspired to do something to help. The beasts raised the man onto their backs and climbed up to the trees. The trees gently lifted him up their branches as high as they could go. And the ghosts, who loved the moon the best of all of them, bore him up into the sky, up, up, and up, until he was on the moon. The moon is an empty palace made of stone. It has no furniture. It has no fire. It has no torches. It is glowing white because the woman who lives there cannot help how bright and cold her light is. The young man waited, strumming the strings of his lyre which to you will sound like the keys of a piano, for this is my telling, and I tell stories with pianos best. He would wait for her, for there was no such thing as hunger or fatigue on the moon. And finally, she approached. Her beauty was the most immense and intense thing he had ever witnessed. It was almost too much. It hurt his eyes to see her beautiful face. It hurt his lips to drink in her calm demeanor. It hurt his ears to hear the sound of her lonely sighs. It hurt his heart to fathom her timeless loneliness. But through his pain, he kept playing and he kept singing because it made him happier. And if it made him happier, he imagined it might make her happy too. And when she smiled, the whole surface of the moon shone a warm orange glow for the first time in the non-time we are in for this story. The moon turns orange when she is pleased. She grows warmer. When he stopped playing, she wept. She smiled. And she said only three words. Play it again. And she leaned towards him with her lips pursed. And he leaned towards her, thinking he was to receive a kiss from that which he loved more than anything. Once their lips touched, she blew a great gust of wind and sent him hurtling across the night sky. where his song glowed warm and bright and orange and sent its light down to the innocent, cold earth. Some of the beasts hid. Others lay out in the newly born sun and basked in his rays, 
Some of the ghosts hid and wept, for they missed the moon, while others flew up into the sky towards the sun's light and decided to rest, finally, and cease their wandering. The trees grew their leaves once more, but though they delighted in the warm sun, they were parched and dry and hot and desirous of respite. Cold has its purpose. Darkness has its allure. Silence has its place. After several hours had passed, the moon realized she could not leave her earthly subjects, the ghosts, the beasts, the trees, for so long. She realized they could barely see her, so loud and so bright was the sun's song. And so she resigned herself to hearing it only twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening, when they shared the same sky for a brief moment and she could see him, far away but so pleased to be in her company. Sometimes, when she feels especially lonesome, he comes even closer to her so that they may kiss once more. But the sun and the moon cannot kiss for long, and so they resume their constant chase, he chasing her cold beauty, and she chasing his warm voice. If I could imagine how the sun came to be, that is how I would tell it. It is how I did tell it, I suppose. I have met the moon many times, but I don't often speak with the sun. Perhaps I ought to. I hear him, my cold and burning one, and he is no longer sobbing. I see him burning a little more brightly once more, even though the shadow, far away from us, has stopped and looked back. It sees us. I raise a hand up, and I wave at it. All at once, in a frightening sequence of events, it grows into a large shape a shape with huge hulking shoulders and immense wings like a bat's. And with a terrible roar, it rushes at me and my stranger, engulfing us for a moment in a cold despair. But it is past now. Nothing can hurt me unless I let it. Keep on whistling, Shadow. Good night, my friends. Stay warm, stay safe, and be well. Hello, my friends. Thank you all so much for joining me tonight for episode 113 of On a Dark Cold Night. 
This is Kristen Zaza here. If you don't know, I'm the writer, composer, narrator, host, producer, etc. behind the podcast. How appropriate that this is the last day of September that you'll be hearing this. I hope you're all staying safe and careful out there. October is a fun month, so let's have some long-distance, autumnal, scary fun, shall we? I'd like to start with a big thank you to our newest patron via Patreon. Thank you so much to Marvin, just Marvin. I really appreciate you reaching out and supporting the show. If you want to help out like Marvin, just Marvin, head on over to patreon.com slash darkcoldnight, where every monthly patron of any amount receives access to my ever-evolving soundtrack of the show. If you're not interested in that perk and want to help out with a one-time donation instead, you can contribute the price of a coffee or however many coffees you like, at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, we have t-shirts and hoodies for the show available for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Also, if you're interested in helping out the show in a non-financial way, I'd love it if you left me a review and a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, our Facebook page, or wherever else you'd like to. You can also follow me on social media and give me a shout out there. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and I'm on Facebook and YouTube just under the page names On A Dark Cold Night. Thank you, as always, my lovely friends, for listening. I am so excited to start digging into some horror this October. I hope you liked today's story as well. Something a little different. I like keeping myself on my toes. Take care, and rest well. Good night. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.